0: Welcome to the Support Automation Show, a podcast by capacity. Join us for conversations with leaders in customer or employee support who are using technology to answer questions, automate processes, and build innovative solutions to any business challenge. I'm your host, Justin Schmidt. David, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for coming on the Support Automation Show. Uh, Where's this podcast find you? Uh, I'm in San Francisco, and thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you recently uh joined ZingTree as their CRO. Um why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey to Zingtree and then ultimately a little bit about Zingtree and, and, and what it does. Uh with pleasure. So a little bit about myself. Uh I'm
1: French American. Um the first half of my career or a little bit less than half, I actually was a mechanical engineer and designed buildings, uh, specifically like green buildings. Um, which was, which was fun. But, uh, after an MBA, I, I switched into tech and I've had the, um, good fortune of joining two like hyper-growth startups. Uh, first in type form where I stayed for about uh, five years, I was employee number 15 there and built out, um, the sales, customer success, support, education, lifecycle marketing, and operations teams. Uh, And then uh, moved to San Francisco with Typeform and then uh, was kind of poached by Notion uh, when they were very early stage. I was employee 13 there and also responsible for filling out sales and customer success, not support in that case. And, uh, And I was at Notion for just about two years before joining Zingtree, uh, which happened uh, under a month ago, <laughs> so it's still very new. Um, so Zingtree is uh, a decision tree uh, software tool where it's, it's very horizontal. You can use it for any type of decision. Um, but it's true that we are focusing on the support area and specifically around kind of agent scripting and knowledge-based slash self-help solutions for, for customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and my role as CRO, I'm responsible for uh, sales, marketing, uh, customer success, and support.
0: Very cool. Thank you. Um, so here on the support automation show, we like to start with the, the question of when you hear support automation, what does that mean to you?
1: My mind explodes in all the possibilities <laughs> that, that it could be. I think a lot of things that, that people talk about and that like I was definitely very interested in exploring when I was running support at, at Typeform uh, several years ago uh, was the whole like AI, ML aspect of support automation. Mm -hmm. Um, My impression at the time and still today is that that's still kind of in its infancy and there's a lot of people who spend a lot of money there, but a lot of implementations may or may not actually be working um, as well as people hoped. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so now with Zingtree, my view is a little bit biased, but I think what's most effective these days in support automation is uh, automating or enhancing the, um, performance, boosting the performance of, uh, of the agents, uh, the support agents, be it on calls, chat or, or email. Um, and that's, yeah. So that, that's kind of what I'm, uh, think about investing in when I'm thinking about support automation.
0: Right. And that's ultimately with the advent and proliferation of automation in knowledge work, or you know, for those on on audio only i'm making scare quotes white collar um work the augmentation is is really the the big driver here less so replacement right exactly Um, it's it there's a uh, freeing people up to sort of do their best work and to be able to do the higher order tasks that that humans are capable of is the type of thing that you need to sort of clear the runway to have that happen. And when people are bogged down with repetitive tasks and all that, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't happen. Um, Yeah. yeah. So buried in, in my little, uh, spiel there is, is this notion that sometimes people find automation scary and have you dealt with, in the change management throughout your career with growth and scale and having to, to sort of bring automation. In, and now as as someone working on sort of like bringing automation to other, other firms, have you come across any situations where you've learned um, how to manage the expectations of that fear to get to drive adoption and, and keep people from being sort of quote unquote afraid of automation?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And anytime there's an initiative like that, I think the first thing to to tell the team because ultimately you know you, you do a POC or you experiment with the team uh or you do your research is mm-hmm. uh, hey our intention is not to let anybody go like nobody's losing their job here uh we just want to be even more effective in like making the team more effective mm-hmm. and uh and also ultimately it creates a better experience for our customers if we become better at uh, you know, first resolution time. If we're able to f- solve more calls on the first interaction, customers will be a lot happier than if they have to, you know, escalation and deal with many different people. If we're able to respond to tickets faster or to calls faster, um, people will be happier. So I think uh, I think framing it in that way and what we're what our ultimate goal
0: is uh, takes a lot of the fear away. Right. It's it's interesting. The anecdote I always tell on this: I had a customer experience. Uh, customer support experience, rather, with uh, Best Buy not too long ago, where um, it was a very esoteric issue, like it's extremely esoteric issue. And it is one of those times where the company and the business is large and is sort of sophisticated as best buy they do a lot to sort of deflect my phone call ever happening in the first place the fact that i had to call and i could you know couldn't get triaged by their voice assistant or whatever and i actually had to get to a person um because the issue was esoteric uh, the and i had to get to an agent to actually speak. I ended up having a really pleasant conversation with this woman while we were going back and forth on everything, and it was just a good piece of human interaction. And in a world where the person on the other end of the phone, where she has to like constantly answer the same question a million times over and over again, or do you know mindless things like look up RMA numbers or whatever it is, you don't have the bandwidth for that human connection. So in addition to making people just more effective, and efficient, you also get this benefit where, like, the space is a little more cleared to, to, to do what we humans do best, and that's connect and converse. So, it's I'm, I'm yeah. 100% with you there. Um,
1: it can also be part of the automation, can also be just directing the right customer to the right person yes. in the first instance, uh, rather than having them deal with a few people who either aren't qualified or don't have the answer uh, to that question. So, to your point, I, I totally agree with that.
0: Yeah. One thing that is particularly interesting about your career path, David, is, is two things. And I would love to unpack this with you a little bit because people in support, whether it's, um, in the customer support slash success role, or if it's internal and like a m- employee experience, you know, that there's effectively support and, and success agents too. Um, you've had the, the good fortune to, to experience scale twice now, which is awesome. And I would I would love to to just explore this with you a little bit and speak to some of the things that, you know, you maybe were able to replicate at Notion based on your experience at Typeform, or maybe um, wish you would have known um, prior to sort of like uh, taken the rocket ship to to the scale that that businesses like Typeform and Notion have, have, have enjoyed. Um, We'd just love to kind of speak to like some of the things you learned about um, automation and scale in support and, and if you could sort of like go back in time to before you joined Typeform would have told yourself.
1: There's so many learnings because uh, like many people, I've made so many mistakes <laughs> along the way. So uh, I've certainly learned a ton. I think, um, one of the big things I learned about, uh, scale is, you know, is a focus and b like focus on what, and, um, so I think it's really important a, to be focused and b to be focused on, on the right things. Mm. And when I say the right things, uh, one of the issues I had that I lost sleep over, um, probably for years, (laughs) certainly for months was uh, the churn rate at Typeform. Our monthly mm-hmm. churn rate was very high by the certain benchmarks that we used, which was like for for SaaS. But SaaS in general includes like enterprise and SMB. So already mm-hmm. if you break it down between enterprise and SMB, I would have lost a little bit less sleep. And then furthermore, <laughs> uh, the use case is very different, right? Like uh, even if Intercom is selling to SMBs, Intercom is a tool that you're kind of using all the time Typeform is more like a one-off use case that you can create a survey, you know, get a ton of value out of it, but then you're done until you have your next survey, or maybe you're even done forever. Right. And so, ultimately, like several years into my role at Typeform, I, I uh, came across the retention rates of uh, SurveyMonkey, which was our biggest competitor yep. and kind of one of the companies we looked up to, and realized that our retention rates were significantly better than, than theirs, and actually we we're doing a great job. So. Uh, that was one thing. And I think, uh, you know, relaying that to support, uh, support is often considered a cost center, which I'd love Mm. to talk more about. Like, I I don't like to think about it exclusively that way, but, um, we're always looking at, you know, cost per ticket, cost per dollar of ARR, stuff like that. And I think when we limit ourselves to only thinking about it that way, we miss the opportunities of all the other value of having a support team, uh, Mm -hmm. which is not only making our customers happier, but also learning from our customers. And I think that in the early days, it's good to track those ratios and, and our efficiency, but we should be okay with uh, a lower efficiency because our goal in the early days is not to, you know, make every dollar, you know, optimize the bang for the buck, but rather optimize the learning so that we are growing in a more thoughtful, strategic way. Um, yeah. Yeah,
0: that's, that's, that's great stuff there um, because support isn't a cost center right it's a, it's 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 unfairly things like HR support IT these things are sort of like labeled cost and you know it's like the revenue organization or sales and marketing you know those those drive the revenue everything else sort of supports uh, supports that but that's not that's not true um, is there any is there any advice you would give to someone in a success or support role to help make the case that that function is actually a revenue driver and not just a cost center
1: uh absolutely um the first thing so i I actually wrote a blog post uh that was coincidentally published uh today (laughs) but uh it's it's about the ROI of a CSM and, mm. uh, it's, it's published in the startup prime. But, um, I, so I have two s- stories about that. The main thing is, uh, nobody can realistically calculate the ROI of a customer success team or a customer support team. Mm. And there's a few reasons for that. One is it's impossible to know what the actual baseline would be without those teams. If we removed support, how would that impact our business? Well, that's not even a question. Like we we need to have support, okay? But then, uh, you know, how, how does incrementally each support agent uh, improve in, increase that value or that compared to that baseline of not having a support team? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other one is there's a lot of additional value beyond just helping a customer solve their problem uh, with a support or a success team. You also get more positive word of mouth. You get less negative reviews. Uh, you can offer premium support and make that additional value on your higher tier plans, which makes it easier to sell higher tier plans. And there's a number of others. I, I won't, you know, you can go to my blog post if you want to hear all of my thoughts. We'll link in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so my point is that I think like thinking about calculating a hard ROI number, like it's a little bit easier to do in the sales uh, perspective, but doing that for sales, uh, for customer success or support is, is not the right way to think about it um and the the other thing that uh, so the the more kind of uh tactical or tangible story uh is from my days at typeform we had a great data team back then uh that helped me with this and we were debating whether or not to continue supporting our free users mm. so typeform is a freemium business uh something like 96% of our users uh, never paid so only a small percentage paid and of our support tickets roughly 2 thirds were from free users one third from paying customers. We know we need to support our paying customers, but uh, two thirds of our costs were um, supporting free users that were very well that weren't paying us at the time. So what we did is uh, we did an analysis of uh, how much does a support interaction increase the conversion rate of from free to paid of those free users, mm. and we found that uh, a a free user that interacted with our support team was about five times more likely to convert than someone who had hadn't contacted our support team or had contacted our support team, but just not received a response within a reasonable uh, period of time. And then we were able to calculate and I won't bore you with all the details, but roughly that the ROI of our support team supporting those free users was uh, above two to one. And therefore it made sense for us to, it made sense to us, Financially, and obviously, we also know that for our brand, uh, there's a lot of value in uh, in anybody because Typeform grew mostly through word of mouth and virality. Uh, just anybody, including free users, getting access to support um, was also valuable to us. So.
0: That's really interesting. One of the you know one thing you hear occasionally if you um, you're listening to any growth hacking or entrepreneur podcasts. Like the, it's like the it's like the the value of doing a cohort analysis on on your customers. Like one of the common things mm-hmm. is like AppSumo. I'm mm-hmm. gonna pick on them for a little bit. Like you might get a big cohort of um, customers from some you know lifetime for five dollars or whatever deal that you had on there, and you end up having this like very expensive to support cohort that sort of as time goes on, maybe creates a burden. On smaller number but higher dollar value uh, future cohorts, mm-hmm. but what you just touched on was something that I always kind of wanted to hear on a podcast. Whenever people talk about that, which is like, no, like actually do the analysis on it and 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 see if there is conversion opportunity to uh, with that large sort of like thick cohort, if, if you will. Um, one of the uh, sayings that. A old uh, pers- boss of mine back in my uh, media days I always used to say is that the clicks are the spice right to use a dune reference um <laughs> clicks are the spice if you've got the clicks you can you can start to do other things right and i played
1: dune i i, I hear you <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah trailer dropped today it looks it looks great um the movie but yeah when you have a, when you have users you can you can get data from those users you can you can experiment with different conversion uh programs or whatever to 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 move those users further down the the life cycle or, or yeah. into higher dollar dollar value engagements or whatever it is. And it's great to hear that that y'all were able to sort of leverage that into, into something versus just saying like, these are customers and Brad, these, these are good brand advocates, but you know, it, it's a, they're, they're shackles around the ankles on, on this company. Let's just, you know, stop supporting them or whatever. So very, yeah. very, very interesting stuff. Um, um, thanks.
1: Yeah. I, I think and what was also interesting
0: is um,
1: around that time, we started ramping up the sales team because for a while we didn't have a sales team at, at Typeform and what we, when we dug into those support tickets that free users submitted before they upgraded, they were absolutely not sales conversations. They were people mm. coming in trying to figure out how, if Typeform could solve their problems. And it was very much a support type interaction, not a sales type interaction. And so uh, a lot of companies will have, you know, a chat bot on their website or whatever. And it's more like the sales team man's that uh, rather than the support team. And um, so that, that was another interesting observation from that whole experiment
0: yeah very cool. Um, so when we're thinking about bringing automation into organization, you know there, there it, it, there's a, there's a lot of options out there in the marketplace. There's a lot of different approaches to to whatever business case you have that that you're looking at automating. Um, if you could give any piece of advice to a a business leader who's looking at purchasing some sort of platform to bring automation into their function, what would it be?
1: Yeah, I think it's, uh, it should start with what problem are you trying to solve? Mm. Uh, because depending on the problem, you'll have different solutions and, um, and you know some solutions include outsourcing. It doesn't have to have to be software. It can be like Correct. offshore, whatever. But um, yeah, it, uh, so I think that's that's the first thing. Are you trying to solve the problem of you have a huge turnover in your support team and you have a big problem ramping people? Uh, are you trying to solve the problem of? compliance you see that like some of your support agents uh like i i recently uh, read this blog post which is based on a book about decision making and it Mm -hmm. says that uh decisions problem with decisions are either that uh they're biased so the same agent will always be making kind of the same mistake Mm -hmm. that's a bias towards making that mistake or that there's noise in that depending on which agent you speak with and what time of day. And like, if it's before or after lunch or whatever, <laughs> you're going to get a different type of response and it's right. scattered as opposed to biased. And uh, so what is the problem that you're trying to solve with your team? And based on that, you can find the right solution, but yeah, yeah we'll, we'll start with the problem.
0: Yeah. I like that. It's, it, it reminds me of something that has come up a couple of times doing this show and I, 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 it's, it bears repeating not only do you have to identify, like, you really be comfortable and understand what problem it is that you need to solve, but you also really need to understand the process you have in place in in, in the first place, like. One of the things that you know we we try to do, and, and I'm sure, I mean, Zingtree is in the business of this. I'm actually kind of very curious to hear how you guys approach this too. Is like map out the process in the first place, and like you may find that there's just good old fashioned like job design or org chart structure or just good old fa- fashioned process management that like you don't necessarily even need technology to solve. You just need to like yeah. you know go back go back in time and 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 just sort of like rebuild the thing in the first place, and you might yeah. find a lot of benefit to that.
1: Yeah. You just need a good ops person or do you actually need uh software? And I think, exactly. Uh, you know, the story I really like, a, a great problem that one of our customers at Zingtree solved uh, with our tool is uh, SpaceX where their problem was they have all these brilliant, literally rocket scientists designing <laughs> rockets. Uh, and they have this uh, super, like hundreds of pages of code uh, of how you're supposed to Build spaceships for in the, in the space written by NASA or something like that that they have to follow, and they can't expect every engineer uh, to know the code by heart or to like find the right place to search and maybe they would make errors when they're searching, etc. And what they wanted to build was uh, the the turbo tax to the tax code of mm-hmm. like uh, of this code, and so uh, that's where they used a decision tree software. That thankfully they chose ZingTree, and uh, <laughs> and so a little bit of self promotion. But, uh, so their engineers now when they are looking for what the regulation is for something, they can follow an automated decision tree that, you know, their, their compliance people built and they've saved thousands of hours, um, just from, just from that. And that's a very clear problem of, uh, it takes a ton of time to read all these, you know, complicated regulations. And you can imagine the same thing, you know, at Typeform and Notion and Zinktree, we, uh, on, you know, the first approach to the product is very simple, but as you get deeper into it, there's certain areas that go really deep and you can't expect every support agent to know how to solve all of those problems. But what you right. can do is give them uh, a decision tree that helps them get to it. Um, again, as an example of, yeah. an, uh, shameless self-promotion,
0: oh, <laughs> I'll that, stop there. <laughs> no, that's that you're, you're, you're more than welcome to, to, to self-promote. Um, so, uh, David, this has been a a, a fantastic conversation. I think the... Some of the stuff we've talked about today is, I, I'm certain, is going to spark the imaginations and minds of of people listening here in ways they can, um, either things they need. Like, if someone does a cohort analysis on their their free users inside their application and, and figures out a way to optimize those into uh, a, a sort of higher value user base, then then we've you know we've we've done our work for the day. Um, Excellent conversation. I really appreciate you coming on. We're going to end with our quick fire round famous five, fab four. I haven't branded this yet. We'll get there. But <laughs> just <laughs> let's, let's just, let's just, let's just send on some quick, some, some quick ones here. What's yeah. the book you most often recommend to people?
1: Uh, it's a book called High Output Management by Andy Groves. I literally yep. just recommended it yesterday. So um, I read it. Yeah. It's a fantastic it's, uh, one. Yeah. As I became a manager and then a manager of managers, it's really what helped um, me navigate that.
0: So yeah. Yeah. That is a, that is a all time classic. Um, What is the best productivity hack or productivity uh, practice that you've implemented for yourself?
1: So I, I use notion for everything. I'm a little bit biased from (laughs) having worked there and I, (laughs) <laughs> I, I agree. And, uh, and, in, and in there, I have uh, a way to organize my days that I, re- that I really like. So I have like the way I organize my to-do list. I have my like ad hoc list of things that just come up periodically and like I have a place to put them. So I don't have to organize them as they come up. I can just put them there. Uh, f- for the week I have a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I have a column for, or like I have these columns and I have one for next week and where I put my tasks for next week. And then at the beginning of each week, I drag the tasks into each day and, and then I have, uh, and then lower down on the page, I have tasks that I want to do sometime. And then I have, uh, other, well, but uh, the point is that I really like organizing my week that way. Cause I make sure that I don't drag more than two or three items for each day. It allows me to kind of plan my week and to block off time in my calendar if I need to, to do things. Mm. And since I have that system, I just feel a little bit more productive than I was before. So
0: it's very interesting. It reminds me somewhat of the Eisenhower matrix. I don't know if you've ever looked at that, where you have like yeah. stuff you have to do stuff you can delegate stuff you can put off and stuff you can just.
1: Do. Exactly. Important versus urgent. Yeah, That's, exactly. Uh, before that I always had a to-do list, but uh, having it, having it those days, what I used to do is just drag two or three things every day, but then sometimes I wouldn't plan far enough ahead. And I feel like that week ahead is is a good um, uh, anyway,
0: no, I, I love it. I love it. That's a, that's a really good one. Do you, Thanks. uh, you should have that, that might be another blog post for, um, the startup <laughs> grind if well, they,
1: they, I do advise a few companies and, and, uh, I've been, I've given that presentation a few
0: times of like how I, like my productivity. Model yeah. Oh, I, very cool. Very cool. Anyway, yeah. If you could recommend one site blog, Slack community, LinkedIn group, et cetera, for someone in the support space, uh, what would it be?
1: So the, the, the companies that seem to create great blog content, uh, I, I don't f- actually follow any blog, uh, but I gravitate often toward, to the same places. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, Gainsight. Yeah. Is Gainsight's got a great, great one. Thought leader in, in this space. I, they do a great I job. generally love their content. Um, and I think, uh, Zapier is great. Uh, and Intercom would be kind of my, my top three for, mm-hmm. you know, learning how startups operate. Yeah. Uh, and the, 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 last two are learning how startups operate. The first one is more like thought leadership and customer success.
0: Yep. Yep. Totally agree. If there's one person in the world of support or even revenue teams, let's just say, let's say in the revenue team organization, if there's one person in the revenue org world that you could take out for coffee or cocktails depending on the time of day and, and, and vibe, who would it be?
1: Um, I guess if I could only choose one, uh, the leader I, I admire the most is uh, Nick Meta, the CEO of Gainsight. Uh, I admire him both because I, I happen to know a lot of people at Gainsight and they all speak very highly of him, like mm. extremely consistently, and, uh, and what I love about his leadership style, which he shows, even when he's speaking publicly at, at his events, like the pulse events is, uh, is he's very vulnerable. Like he, he's mm. not what, uh, I, and I think a lot of people dislike about, you know, Silicon Valley, uh, arrogance. He's like the opposite of that. And I hope that I follow in his footsteps and I hope a lot of other leaders, um, become more like him. So,
0: oh, that's uh, great. so, yeah. That's and, great. and I've had
1: the pleasure of meeting him, but yeah, I'd take him out again. Yeah. <laughs> so, no,
0: that's, yeah. that. that's, that's really important. One of the things we had, it's a little anecdote. We had a, a bit of a fire drill at the website this week. And, you know, uh, one of the things that I kept telling myself the whole time was like the, the humility, you know, this, is this is the buck stops with me. This is my fault. Like the team is doing their best, right? Like don't, you, you, you get really far in this world by not being a jerk, right? So it's, it's great when, when people, you know, that, that do who lead businesses as successful and as big as something like a gain side, still have that humility and, and sort of like, you know, goodness about them. That's, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so David, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, where can people find you if they want to, uh, learn more about you or, or Zinktree?
1: Um, I'm on LinkedIn under my name, David Apple, and uh, same on Twitter. Uh, I have to admit I'm a little bit less on social media now that I'm a a dad as of 14 months ago. (laughs) Uh, I think I'm prioritizing the right things. You uh, are. Yeah. But uh, yeah, please uh, follow or reach out to me in in either of those channels. Um,
0: I I love this type of conversation. Thanks again for having me. And uh, yeah. It's my pleasure. Thank you. The Support Automation Show is brought to you by Capacity. Visit capacity.com to find everything you need for automating support and business processes in one powerful platform. You can find this show by searching for support automation in your favorite podcast app. Please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Capacity, thanks for listening.